All knife makers need abrasives, plain and simple. Here at Knives Templars, we're proud to partner with Phoenix Abrasives. I used to get my belts from another company, but they spent more time on marketing than they did customer service, sometimes taking two plus weeks to ship my order. That's not the case with Phoenix Abrasives. They're obsessed with committing all of their resources to customer satisfaction. Whether you're using a 2x72, 2x42, 1x30, or something else, they've got you covered. They even carry Rhino Wet Sandpaper. So go to phoenixabrasives.com shop and enter promo code TEMPLARS10 for 10% off your next order. Three, two, one, zero, zero. You're listening to the Knives Templars. Get ready, y'all. We've got Bobby Boucher, you I got a piece off of the wagon that Sam Houston used to take JFK to the moon. I like that. You're tuned in to the Knives Templars Podcast featuring Odysseer Special Sauce Pinto. I was I was a mean kid. Long time listener, first time caller. Eric T. R. E. Rivers. Holy crap, I built something. Don the Train Watson. I can pay off all my credit cards and be junky credit line at Bucky. Joey the Riot Terrier. Conchon de Lick will make you smack your lips and anyone getting too close to your plate. Mark the Salad. You drinking my soupy? And Chip Shagman Carlisle. And now broadcasting alive, it's the Knives Templars. Coming to you live from Forecast Studios located in Hartsville, Alabama and other U.S. locations. This is the Knives Templars Podcast. We are the coolest knife-making podcast on the planet, and we are downloaded around this big blue marble in over 24 countries. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide in all of your favorite apps and at KnivesTemplars.com. My son will say the, say the reading. He's like, it's not like you could make it up. It's like, hey, hey, apostles, what's up? All right. Well, well, hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, season three, episode 29 of the Knives Templars. We don't know what this episode is going to be called yet because none of us has, have made a fool out of ourselves enough yet to... Uh, to give it that name, but but I promise you we will work on it over the next couple of hours. I'm your host uh, Chip Carlisle, and tonight I have Don Watson, Mark Masello, and uh, and myself because uh, other guys are uh, on the road out at shows doing some things. But we are excited to have uh, Mr. Kyle Daly and uh, uh, with the Knife Perspective podcast, and I would say a a good friend of ours. He has one of the best podcasts out there. See, Kyle, can you reciprocate that? <laughs> yeah, I like your guys' guys' a lot too. I've listened to a whole bunch of the episodes ever since, uh, about since Jess Hoffman was on. Listened to a few before that, but yeah, all right. Um, well, well, they're even going to get better when you hear our listener feedback tonight. So I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> all right. And uh, and I'm not going to hold back now. I'll just go ahead and uh, Jared. Irby uh, is with us. He is a Texas knife maker, uh, loves to play with fire when he's at work, and um, also uh, is is part of the Last Blade Standing, the latest competition. And I've seen some of his knives that you guys can't see, and the guy is such a talented knife maker. Uh, I, uh, 
I'm looking forward to him being on as part of our Maker's Mark tonight. Jared, welcome to the show as well. Thank you guys for having me. You're, you're co- yeah, you're co-host by default because, you know, we've, we've got some guys that are busy tonight, so here you are. Okay. Well, big shoes to fill. I'll do my Shang- best. <laughs> no, Shanghai, Shanghai is a bitch, but here you are, my friend. So, so you, you now, um, did you play with fire today? I did. So we're, uh, I just promoted and, uh, been out on the training field with uh, rookie class and, uh, new drivers and officers today all day burning stuff. So it's been a good day. Yeah. Well, I will let you know that I, um, I, uh, do fire extinguisher training at work for people sometimes, uh, as a safety, uh, engineer. So, uh, we've got that in common. <laughs> thank you for what you do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, man. So was the, was the burning stuff the, like simulated buildings where they use like propane and stuff uh, to so some, simulate the fire? Or? Sometimes we use, uh, LP gas and fake smoke and stuff like that. But today we got pretty lucky and we got to do class A burn. So it's, it's real wood and pallets and stuff like that. So it's now real smoke, real hot, what is, more real. What is your, what is your title? I just now you, you just, just promoted to captain. Yeah. Congratulations. On yeah, that's that. awesome. Congrats. Yeah, my sister uh, is an executive, uh, something or other with the Delaware state fire school. So I have all types of, uh, uh, t-shirts and stuff she's given me over her long career there and uh it's a neat thing to go there because their fire science program and their um their headquarters for the state you know has got helmets that go back forever and i'm sure you've got probably something similar uh in your area it's just so neat to see that history and in the science of fire um but yes the extent of mine is um is uh i had a a, uh, um turnout turnout coat is that what you call it turnout yes sir yeah, I had a turnout coat uh, at one point when I lived in Michigan because of a job I did. Didn't have the lower half, so just the top. But I, uh, um, I did fire extinguisher training. But beyond that, uh, that's about it. So kudos to you and thank you for what you do. We're gonna we're gonna have you uh, tell us a little bit more about that later. Hey uh, guys, you want to know what's on the menu? Yeah, let's I do. do it. Let's hear it. Well, this week we have a brew review and i decided just to keep it real okay i decided to keep it real and you'll find out in a minute we've got some news for you i've got some feedback that's going to change this change this whole podcast but i can tell you i've already broken the rule a couple times and now that i'm uh self-conscious about it I, i might be able to fix this without having to go to 12 step program for uh for talkers we're going to have our pops makers, Mark. We've got some questions and, uh, and some topics to talk about, and uh, that's going to bring us on home. Um, but uh, with that, I want to tell you guys that uh, being here for a new episode, our goal is to teach rising and established makers like everyone out there, and including ourselves, um, the, the art of knife making so that they can pave their way into making it a wonderful hobby or business. Uh, don't, it might've been Kyle or someone else that said this, if you want to make a million dollars in knife making or $2 million, a million dollars, start with $2 million. I think it was, excuse me, excuse me for screwing that up. But, um, but, uh, you know, there's guys out there that have successfully, I hear there's really good engineers that have turned it successfully into businesses. Yes. We had a roving reporter from uh, South Carolina last week. Kyle, uh, give us a lowdown on engineers oh, and yeah. knife makers. And he has a lot of respect. That's for right. Them. Yeah. 
Nice. What did you pay Dan? What did you pay Dan to come on our show and tell him such good, nice things about you? (laughs) Uh, Not, not too much. He actually uh, pays me to help uh, do all the, the technical side. So my goodness, my goodness. He, uh, he, he, he put you on a pedestal and and deservedly so. Um, But here uh, we want to thank you guys for uh, listening to the knives tempers podcast and helping us uh, continue to raise uh, up in the ranks of, of, knife making podcast out there and before i jump in the show i want to say one thing you guys been with the knives templars.com yep oh yes how oh, you yeah. loving that how you loving the website it's not it's 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 there it's it's got some good stuff on it really good man i like it yeah it's not it's not too intrusive it's not too bulky but you know recently mark did some videos some templars tips and uh loaded them up there and we've got those playing out there uh We've got our Templars uh, Knife Templar Nation um, partnership thing out there, or, or program out there. Uh, we've got Knife Perspective. We've got the Rivers Experience, and uh, we're getting ready to put some of our other uh, colleagues in the industry, people that we believe and use their products. And then uh, we've got just makers. Uh, you know, Jared, you're you're a maker. Kyle, you're an ink maker. Mark, you're a maker. And I think I've already put your logos and links out there. But um, you know, you want to be on there, and you want another avenue for being recognized as a knife maker uh, through our search engine and optimization as that continues to grow. Send me, and I'm talking to everybody out there listening today. Send me your logo. Send me your website address to uh, knives templars at yahoo.com. And I'll put you up on there as a partner maker. We'd love to put you there. But guys, go out and visit knivestemplars.com to see what we've got going on and where we are. Did a great job on that one, buddy. Thanks. What's that? You did a good job on you did a great job on setting that uh, website up. Oh. Yeah, thanks. I wish it would trans I wish the whole thing I wish I could make knives as easy as I can do Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean I can I can I can Photoshop and make Mark Mark Vasallo look beautiful. If I try but if I try to Photoshop a knife, it still burns and crumbles in my hand so yeah <laughs> and we'll cut this bevel here <laughs> yes 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 i have a i have a story to tell you but let's let's jump into the 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 brew review you guys ready to talk about yeah, it let's do that too. Well, let's let's just see here before i jump into mine because i got a very fancy beer tonight mark uh it's still between now and easter and i know that uh you're drinking seltzer water uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? look at him he's drinking his water yeah, tonight that's, that's right. very good for you good for you and don's drinking cow cow that's two cows squeezed into a cup. Oh, or? yeah. I actually looked up cow cow. It looks like an interesting drink. It's for people that don't want the side effects of drinking a lot of coffee. Uh, and they find it to be a very, very delicious drink. I have to try that sometime. Got to. Hey, Don, is that, is that, what is it? Like, a, is it a mix or is it a, a, a like no, coffee? It's, you, it's ground up. It's ground up cocoa beans. Got cocoa. But, but how do you, do you just mix it in, in water or heat it really, up or like you strain you, it? I, just brew it just like you would a cup of coffee. Okay. Yep. Sure do. It's easy. Yep. How many how many people do we have on here that are history buffs? I got to know a little bit. Okay, good, good. Just a little I bit. I was I was I love history. My son's uh one of my sons is a history education major and it just tickled my heart because we get to talk history all the time. And I know my family's heritage as far as coming over uh to the states. I can't go back that far, but I, I can trace them back to when they came over. Uh, and but uh, but I know what they did when they got here, and uh, that's kind of cool. Well, as part of that, 
Um, I um, uh, was reading something the other day. It was about coffee during the Civil War. You couldn't get a good cup of joe during the Civil War. And um, guys were doing all kinds of things. Uh, they were taking um, just about anything they could. What was one of the things I, I read? They would uh, roast some type of... Um, Dandelion uh, bark, too. Bark. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you say, Kyle? Uh, per- or, uh, the guy we just interviewed, or, Kevin, or, Kevin Estella, he said they would do, or chicory is always chicory, been one chicory, of them. That was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, chicory. But yeah. Uh, he said you could also do dandelion greens. Yep. And, they would oh, do, really? They, they would do acorns. They would do roots and dry them out and grind them up like coffee and whatever, not spices, but whatever they had, they could throw in to give it some flavor. And, uh, they even had one that was, um, uh, uh, what was the guy's name that was at Gettysburg? That uh, just see the movie Gettysburg? Yeah, that yes. was years ago. Uh, yeah. Pickett, 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 Pickett slash Charge. I was trying to remember General Pickett. He even had his own special battlefield brew that he made from just whatever he found. And uh, so I guess it was a thing. For now, I'm going to stick with coffee. But cow cow. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check that, that out. Cause I, I go looking for my cup of coffee every morning, Don. Oh yeah, I do too. I drink coffee, but just that night I've been drinking this and it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good taste. Yeah. yeah I had to try it. I had to try it. Jared, you're drinking from a fire hose tonight, bro? Not tonight. Uh, so just got off of work from a long week. So I got a little Jameson that I'm wrapping up with. Oh, watch out. <laughs> a little All Jameson. Right. All right. All right. Is it, is it a styrofoam cup? No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dixie cup. You drinking it? You, you drinking it straight or with a with a with a single block of ice? Or you didn't throw any Mountain Dew in there? No, just you? ice. There you go. Man knows how to drink his Jameson. Kyle, I saw you had a fancy can. What's in that can? A uh, fancy can of Diet Pepsi. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Look at you. you came you came on here last time with a can that was like like 97 proof yeah, 243 like percent alcohol yeah. uh volume and tonight you're drinking diet pepsi well that's what i ha- or i i had more than like uh three minutes to come down and get on the podcast last yeah. time so yeah he jumped well, quick, uh, man. well i'll tell I you thought, what yeah i'll tell you what with that being said let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll go into the brew review Hey listeners, let's take a moment today to thank one of our sponsors for today's show. And that sponsor is Ameribraid Grinders. Eric and Kevin over at Ameribraid have sold thousands of these grinders. And they are super nice guys and their customer service is excellent. I would know, I've been personally using their 2x72 grinder now for two years. And it has changed my knife making to a whole new level. So if you're in the market for or looking to upgrade from that 1x30 or 2x42, then give Ameribraid a look. There you'll find they have three packages of grinders to offer. They have a mastery package, a foundations package, and a get grinding package, in which all of them come at different price points. So I'm sure you'll find something that'll suit your needs as a knife maker. Also, Ameribraid has a ton of innovative attachments for their grinders. So listeners, you can find out about all of this at www.ameribraid.com. Go give them a look, see what they have to offer today. And now, back to the show. 
So guys, welcome back. I, uh, I, I mentioned I'm going to keep it real this week. Um, I go out looking for uh, something fancy, maybe something from the area or something in the region every week and something that, that just looks fun to, to take a drink of. And uh, when I find it, I come on the show and talk about it. You know, and it's usually just drinking one. But here, I have probably the beer that I'm drinking now. And I don't want to sound like I drink too much. I, I never drink more than probably two beers in a day. And, uh, and I, and, and in my role in my life, I've never felt that you should do anything to excess except make knives and fishing lures. So, um, the, uh, I, I just want to just, just want to put that out there. So my, my friends and colleagues that listen to the show know that, uh, while I'm keeping it real, uh, well, they'll know this by when I announce this beer guys, let me show you what I'm drinking tonight. I'm gonna hold it up here for my friends to see. I'm drinking the Michelob ultra. The Old kidney cleaner. Beer. The <laughs> kidney cleaner. Flushing the kidneys. Flushing, Flushing the, the kidneys. Kid. Yep, yep, yep. I uh, switched to Michelob Ultra when I went to a size 40 waist, and I'm down to a size 41 waist now. And <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but I'm working on it every day. And uh, But let me tell you what the company says about their brew. Michelob Ultra is a superior light beer brewed for those who understand that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Containing only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs, Michelob Ultra is a light beer brewed with the perfect balance of Hercules hops and wholesome grains producing a light citrus aroma and a crisp, refreshing finish. 4.2% alcohol volume. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. I'm going to tell you what I have to say. I said that uh, I wrote this down. I was writing this down for the show as I was uh, preparing the other day. I wrote, every beer lover has this one universal fear of growing a beer belly. (laughs) (laughs) And you usually don't get afraid of it until you look down and there it is over time. This is exactly human psychology and natural emotion that Michelob Ultra has tapped into. They've tapped into my brain. Not only do they understand the need for a low-carb, low-calorie beer that helps their customers sip without any guilt, but they also keep it equally tasty and retain the joy of having a beer, and I can say that. The Michelob Ultra ingredients are always organic and low in gluten. I read that, by the way, just so you know. I'm not that smart. Uh, But that's it. I just say drink it if you enjoy it. It's got corn, rice, ammonias, and flavor, uh, aromas and flavor, uh, medium carbonation. And, uh, well, let me tell you what our uh, bottom line is. This stuff may be all right with a bowl of cereal or in the morning or when it's 117 degrees in South Alabama and with 80% humidity after wrestling a wild boar in an early morning hunt in the hot sun. Otherwise, I can just drink air for free. Coors Light looks and tastes like a craft beer next to this, but for what it is, 4.5 hops, it is what you get. I still get to drink a beer. The there end. you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think this is the longest I've ever heard anybody talk about a Michelob Ultra. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, had sit, I had to sit down and start writing something for it, and that that that's what I came up with. So, Kyle, can you one-up me with uh, a, a dad you- beer? What do you got? Well, I remedied my situation and got a Yingling uh, oh, yeah. traditional lager, the uh, the original amber beer. Yep. So that's good beer uh, from the America's oldest brewery. They, it uh, is. You know, it's, it's interesting. 
it's interesting about yingling is that uh, when I, you know, so I used to live in Delaware and, and, uh, you know, we get yingling all the time over there, but, but, uh, you know, when I moved to Texas, you know, for the longest time, I, I don't know, I guess they didn't sell it past the Mississippi or something. And, uh, and we would have folks bring it over and, and, uh, we, we'd have some, do, do you get that down there, uh, Jared, is there any yingling down yeah, by? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been here for a couple of years. I like it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. They, so. they stopped distributing. Um, so Indiana just got it like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. but it's still not available in Illinois. But when I visit my dad, I usually grab a, a pack or so on my way back. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I lived in, uh, Louisville, Texas, uh, we used to, I had, you know, done what year was my trans lamb? Let's see if you get it right here. This 78 week. baby. 76. My goodness. Ooh, 78's when oh, I saw man, the Bigfoot. 76 oh, yeah. is the Trans Am. Okay. Anyway, but but it is good because <laughs> Smokey's Trans Am was a 78. But we'd we'd get a tractor trailer and we'd head over to Georgia and fill up or head over to Delaware and fill up with Yingling and get it back to Louisville, Texas within 24 hours for the fifty thousand dollars. It was quite a story. They made a movie about <laughs> us, and they just reversed the story around to get to Georgia. Exactly. Uh, we never got paid for it, but uh, anyway, that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Congratulations on that Yingling. Uh, I uh, I can uh, I can feel my clean, my kidneys being cleansed as we speak. Yep. We got some news tonight, guys. Before we get into this, I just want to go. The news is kind of winding down. I, I did read something. Remember when we talked a few few episodes ago about the turkeys attacking the people in the trailer park? Oh yeah, that's right. I did see on one of my uh, news readers today that up in New England somewhere, it may have been Connecticut or something, they've put out an alert because the turkeys are on the prowl and attacking rich people in their neighborhood up there. And I don't know if I could find the story while we're here, and it's probably too much for right now. But I thought, how cool. Those those turkeys are now attacking the rich people as well in Connecticut. So there you go. Turkeys on the prowl. The uh, other thing is... Uh, I'm very excited about this. I don't know about the rest of you. Mark, you could be if you jump in the car tomorrow morning. All right. Is uh, Batson's oh, yeah. is is taking place as we speak. March 31st, April 1st and 2nd in Tannehill, Alabama. It's their 34th, 34 years. Uh, they've been doing this before I was born, it looks like. And um, 58, Don. And... Uh, it's at the uh, it's the annual Batson Bladesmithing Symposium and Knife Show conducted at Tannehill Ironworks Historic State Park in McCalla, Alabama. Knife show and demonstrations with food and hands-on learning for a little extra fee. I think it's about $10. You guys will be listening to this on Monday. You're too late. But, Mark, I can at least alert you now that uh, if you want to drive up to Tannehill, I'm going to be up there tomorrow. Josh Howard will be there, who's been on the show, Forged in Fire. You will have... James McClendon, who's been on the show and is one heck of a great knife maker. Uh, somebody has a tornado warning right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. I'm just going to give you some breaking news. Um, Florida legislature pass, passes the NRA-backed constitutional carry awaiting DeSantis signature. Breath alcohol test? No. <laughs> constitutional carry. Oh, I heard bat. I'm sorry. Oh, Batson's. I was talking about bats there. Uh, yeah. Uh, Florida, so you guys are you're going to go yeah. constitutional carry? Well, good for That's you. What said we waiting on DeSantis to sign it. And he well, he better sign that. I'm pretty sure he will. <laughs> well, I'm good with constitutional carry because I'm taking my money down to uh, Batson's tomorrow. Oh yeah. And I'm and I am going looking for my anvil. I've yeah, um, James, anvil. Went in, 
he's been sending me pictures. He sent me pictures of a 300, a 300 pounder for a thousand dollars. That looks like a pretty good uh, anvil there. I don't know if I can carry that back. I can't get it out of the truck, so I can't bring it back home if I can't get it out of the truck. You got myself. a tree? You have a tree in New York? A big tree? Uh, with re- you mean tie it up to it and drag uh, it out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah then, then, then I got to move it from there. But they had like $1,000 on it. And uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, $4 a pound. Uh, I don't know. I mean, but I don't know. I, that's, that's a lot of money. So that uh, sounds like future chips problem. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think you I'm going to just get it in the truck and get it to your house. That's future chips problem. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, my sons have, have yeah. don't, you know, both of them don't live close. But uh, I'm going to be looking for something in the 120, 150. And here I'm going to ask you guys, because I know you guys play with steel when you're not uh, doing podcasts or working uh, day jobs uh, or working day jobs making knives. Um, so I have been looking at a particular 120 pounder. And it is called a, um, is it AB, ABS? Help me out here, guys. Um, let me find it. Dead air, dead air, dead air. Hey. Is, is it on the AB, messenger? ABS is the American Bladesmith Society. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. And, and, and while we're thinking about it, everybody join the American Bladesmith Society. Start your journey today. Uh, on becoming a journeyman smith within a couple of years and uh, when you do uh, you will uh, have the opportunity then to become a master at some point in time go to the american bladesmith society's web page and check them out today all right that was pretty good because i needed to uh, kill some time here <laughs> um anvil brand the ab legend 120 pounder um $797 and uh, it's got a four inch uh, face on it. It's got a big old horn. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All and you need uh, now is a 50 pound chain to go around it. You, you're set up. Well, I've got all that. I've got everything I need for it. Um, I only got 49 pounds of chain, but my point is uh, you, are you guys familiar with uh, AB legend? No, I'm not sorry. No, they're an ISO 9000 uh, company and they guarantee their hardness. They've been around for quite some time. They also make a, I believe I saw a 200 pounder that they make. Um, but uh, they, they're everything I've read on them is great quality. Uh, so if I have to pay $800 for 120 pound anvil tomorrow, I'm thinking I just may go out and buy the new one and put my own dents in it. So we'll see. There's something yeah. to be said about having a hundred year old hay button sitting in your shop, I would think. But uh, and I and and some people say, well, older ambles are better ambles. But uh, I just don't know. You know, um, what do you say, guys? Jared, think, what are you? What do you? What do you deal with, Jim? So I've uh, there's something cool about them. So I've got a uh, about a 400 pound. A uh, French pig anvil that's 200 uh-huh. years old, and uh, yeah. it there's just something pretty cool about having something that's that old. I mean, it's it's survived two world wars, uh, and probably at yeah. some point in time in its life, it, it may have made something for Allied forces. You never know, right? So if if that thing could tell stories, there's no telling what it would say. Uh, it it had a, a pretty rough go at it. She's seen a lot of use. And then I bought uh, from a local dealer that deals in anvils. Uh, I bought a, uh, a 
about a 30 year old, 330 pound, uh, Austrian pattern, uh, church window that's never been struck uh-huh. perfectly flat. And that was, uh, that was a huge upgrade. Um, just because it's hard to make flat things without flat things. <clears throat> right. Yep. Sure is. Yeah. And, and so, uh, the Hey button I was looking at was a local one that got snapped up quickly, uh, Facebook marketplace. And it was a 1910 Hey button and it was in beautiful condition. The guy's shop that he was taking a picture of the guy had passed away. Family was selling it and, uh, somebody saw it. And if, if, you know, you know that if an anvil goes up for sale, you better be the first one to call or it ain't no sense in calling. Um, so we'll just have to see, and maybe tomorrow will be a magical day. Maybe I'll place an order, but, uh, you're right. Something with that much age, on it has wonderful story. Uh, I think that um, even like Josh Howard's uh, hammer, that big 10 footer he's got in his uh, shop uh, was uh, building battleships or something at one point in time. So the, that he's is got cool. an awesome that power cool. hammer. <clears throat> <laughs> and you'd see the one he just built from scrap. I haven't. Uh, go to his Facebook page. He just That's built cool. a, built a power hammer from scrap and just makes you want to hate him tomorrow. I'm pulling his, uh, I'm pulling his pig sticker back to Al- uh, North Alabama because he has to pull his trailer down there for Batson's. So, uh, the good news is, is, uh, you know, since I've got a good opportunity to go hide that trailer down in Bankhead national forest, <laughs> maybe we can barter for some stuff. I've already, uh, I don't know if I want to fight Josh Howard. He's a pretty tough fella. Uh, good as gold, but, uh, he's bigger than me and much younger, but, uh, I'll be pulling that back tomorrow. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is the part of the show I've been dreading. So let's take a quick break and I'll, uh, let me compose myself and we'll be right back. We'll talk about it. Majestic Forge is owned and operated by Brian and Kayla Horn in Rushville, Ohio. With many years of experience manufacturing two to five burner gas forges, Majestic Forge is your number one source for blacksmith forges, barrier forges, and specialty forges. They are dedicated to creating top of the line forges at a price you can afford. Majestic Forge has supplied forges to blacksmith schools, high schools, colleges, production shops, and TV shows such as Mythbusters. And Majestic Forge is the forge of choice for televisions forged in fire. Knife makers are in luck as they offer forges that come with two or three deluxe burners. Here at Knives Templars, we are sure that you can find a USA-made Majestic Forge to suit your needs. Check out your next forge at MajesticForge.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. And while we were away, Don's holding up pictures from the internet. I think it, it's, it's, it's uh, anvil porn or something he's holding yeah. up. What do you got there, Don? It's a Hercules 200 pound anvil, $900. Where's that at? It's down here. I think in, um, it will be. It's in Florida. It's in Florida. You're going to drive it up. I could. I got some, I got some Michelob Ultras yeah. and I'll buy some cow cow. 
Is that is that is that enough to get you to bring it up? Oh, I might be able to do that. No, it don't it don't look that good, man. It's no. down in Bradenton, and it's rusted out pretty good. So yeah, you see a lot of them that people have stuck out in their gardens for uh, decoration yeah, over the exactly. years. Now, and now it's funny they'll stick one in a garden and it's just rusted all to pieces yeah. and, and chipped up and everything, and uh, and they'll they'll have like six or seven hundred dollars on it because hey, they heard you can get a lot for anvils, but some of these things just look look crazy. So, but fire. I hear once you get once you get your first anvil, they just come running to you one right after the other after that, just like yeah. uh, when I was a young man and had my first girlfriend. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, all right, guys, I've composed myself. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Nobody's allowed to laugh. Here's our feedback from the week from uh, MR. MR writes, as a knife maker and regular listener of the Knives Templars podcast, I enjoy you guys. That's great. Yeah. If you're, if you're open, if you're, if you're open to one suggestion, I'd offer it with a sole purpose of trying to improve the listener's experience. Here we go, guys. And laughingly, I know this probably won't come as any surprise. Don't you guys laugh? (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. It's really difficult to listen when Chip talks over the guest and other co-hosts. He's always asking questions of when uh, when they're explaining something in mid-sentence. If you could wait to comment after that person finishes their answers, it would make for an A-plus podcast. It's just my two cents. Nobody asked for it. Hope you guys are doing great for John MR. Thank you, MR. That's how how you get better, man. Good, you know, criticizing or critiquing. That's that's how you grow, man. You know. Um, well, I have to tell. You, see, I waited till you finished there. I have to. Uh, I, have to <laughs> I see. I did that. That's that's good. Okay, so um, <laughs> being very careful. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's exactly right. Uh, all my life, I have had to apologize for starting a sentence before the person finishes because my mind's already processed what they're saying. And I've worked very hard to get good at that, but to compound things on our last episode, when I was editing it, somehow or another, I kicked Joey Terrio's um, audio out about four or five seconds. Mm -hmm. And since I do a, a lot of the talking, I was just constantly talking. He could be saying, well, Mark, uh, here, uh, Tell me what you had for for dinner or for lunch today. Uh, let's see for lunch. Uh, all right. So I you know, do you really lunch. think that is, if, if lunch is that good, you know, that's what was taking place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I think it was was it Odyssey or Don or somebody uh, somebody sent me and said, "Hey, great podcast, but what happened with the audio?" And um, so I went back and found it and I fixed it and relaunched it. So that compounded it. But Mr., you're exactly right, and I'm going to work on it every episode and every day as I continue to. Here's the good news. I fired an email back off to MR. Yeah, I think you did you post that. I wasn't gonna take that line down. You know what I you know what I told MR? Thank you. What's that? I said thank you. And you're exactly right, just like I told you guys right now. And he responded back to me a nice thing. And uh, I think somebody uh, attacked Jared and he's Nope. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, Jared's been attacked. Uh, 
Call nine one one. So um, I'm back. First responder <laughs> down. Did you did you fight no, him off, Jerry? Easily distracted. <laughs> so uh, he he. We went back and forth having this pleasant conversation, and then I invited him to the Knives Templars chat group, and uh, so he's in there with us full time now. He's going to be on the show on a future edition, and that's when I'll get even with him. But, uh, yeah. but honestly, he is such a, a blessed, fine man, makes some of the most beautiful knives in the world. And guys, if you've got feedback for the show, good or bad, you send it in. If you want to talk bad about Kyle daily, Hey, send it in. We'll pass it off to him. Um, Kyle doesn't get yep. bad. Kyle doesn't get bad views, the reviews though. No, he it's, does not. It's, it's Dan. <laughs> Dan <it does. laughs> Usually. Yeah. And Dan, 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 Dan says he's just hardened to it anymore. Yeah, Dan. Uh, Dan lets it roll off his back pretty good. So uh, well, he usually he said, says he usually says the more controversial things of the two of us. So well, he I said you only have had any hot takes. There I go again, but I'll let that out so nobody will know <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Dan said that it only affects four listeners, and that's the two of you and both of your wives. So you know his wife just needs to yep. get over it. That's just who he is. And Natasha from Atlas Material, she's she listens to every show. <laughs> she's, she's a she's a great lady. Yeah, uh, yes, they're at Atlas her. Materials. Yes, yeah. I've yes. never had the pleasure. Never had the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, and all all joking aside, uh, I I enjoyed Dan on the show so much last time. And Dan on the show is is one side of Dan. Dan in person, both are great guys, but. My gosh, I, uh, and the same with you, Kyle, but I mean, when we got away from that show, I mean, I was affected by it. I mean, like I, I felt like I had just talked to one of the nicest guys, uh, very, very knowledgeable and, and just, you know, the kind of guy I'd like to go sit in his shop and just watch him work and talk to him, you know, just wonderful. Yep. So, uh, I'm glad that, uh, glad we got him on here and glad you've been on here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, thank you for the feedback. Keep sending it in, and uh, we'll keep responding to it. Thank you. That's what we got. We'll be right back. We've got a we've got a listener that doesn't like our advertisements, so we make sure we get <laughs> seven or eight in here, Kyle. Yeah, that was our other feedback. Too many advertisements. We got to pay the bills. Yeah, uh, my credit card down at Bucky's. Uh, I don't know if you heard of the Mike Moran, the Catch Bit podcast. I have. I've heard of Mike Moran. Uh, yeah. yeah, he listens to our podcast, and I we had our kids or had I had an interview in my garage, and my kids were making a whole bunch of noise, and he goes, "You need to read the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Just do do whatever you want with your podcast. It, he goes, "I loved it. I loved hearing the kids in the background. It gives a little more humanity to the show." So. That's right. That's right. Okay. Here's the humanity. (laughs) Maybe that's maybe that's your sash. Meanwhile, back in Texas. (laughs) Are there are there tornadoes in Texas today? I know we took a break, so I'm trying to get some more uh, some more power to my my phone here. That's what I was doing when I was easily distracted earlier. No, that's quite all right. We're actually getting ready to go into the maker's mark here in just a second. So you go ahead and do what you need to do, and we'll come right back into that. So take your time. We're just laughing. We love it. <laughs> oh, look, now we're now we're totally falling apart. Now the daily army's coming in. All right. 
All right. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, enough about uh, me and our feedback. I'm, I'm going to work on it here. Uh, but more importantly, uh, you know, tomorrow I, when I go down to Batson's, our friends from Pops is gonna, are going to be down there. So I'm looking forward to catching up with those guys and introducing myself. I've met a couple of them, but uh, looking forward to saying hello to the whole team. And I'm kind of hoping our, uh, our junior Templar is running around there somewhere and he's not doing uh, – um, it work at some school tonight. So Luke. Oh yeah. Yeah. Luke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping Luke's going to be down there as well. We'll see tomorrow. I have to send him a text and see, but going into the pops maker mark, we have our guest who we've previously introduced you to. His name is Mr. Jared Irby from 31 forge out of double Oaks, Texas. And Mr. Irby was on the most recent last blade standing and is such an extremely talented knife maker. We would be remiss if we didn't have him on the show. Jared officially welcome to the maker. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Tell us a little bit about, tell us about Jared. How'd you get started Uh, in making? There's really not much to tell. I just thought it would be a good idea to give it a go. So, um, I didn't have any tools. didn't really have any instruction. Just, kind of went for it and uh, YouTube and lots and lots and lots of failures. And I've kind of figured out how to make it work. You, uh, I wouldn't know that you had that many failures looking at the knives that you held up for us uh, prior to the show on the video screen that people are not able to see here, but uh, the, and I, and we all have done that. I uh, threw one in the trash last night off of the, off of my uh, grinder that I, it got carried away. So uh, that's a whole nother story. But um you, uh, your style is very unique. Uh, it, you, you've developed your own, are you producing your own steel? Uh, I don't. So I've sold a few bars of Damascus here and there, but I, uh, I don't, uh, advertise it really. But are you making your own steel oh, yeah. for your use? Every, everything that comes out of the shop is mine. I, uh, I, it's quite amazing. Tell us a little bit about your process. Well, um, most of what we do is uh, culinary stuff, kitchen knives. That seems to be more of our market, right? So uh, we, we'll do that, some hunters, right. uh, and a little bit of everyday carry stuff. Uh, but, yeah, we I really like kind of out there type styling, right? Lines are really important to me. Um, there's, yeah. there's You can go to any – any knife store and find a million chef's knives that look exactly the same. So, and it's not because the the design doesn't work. I mean, it's a, it's a good design. That's why they're still making them the same way, but just trying to kind of make it uh, a little bit, a little bit more curvy, a little bit, I don't know, more aggressive, sexier, whatever, just to try to kind of make it your own thing. They certainly are. They certainly are. Have you seen those uh, sexy, uh, as seen on TV, forged and fire knives over at the them. Walmart? Yeah, they look they look pretty solid. <laughs> Not beautiful. Nine ninety nine. <laughs> pretty nice. Pretty nice stuff. They're pretty nice stuff. But I would say that uh, your your stuff certainly <laughs> exceeds that in quality times ten million. Yeah, I was going to ask you. What's your? You have Instagram? I do. Uh, it's a, it's actually three uh, I forge dot com uh, and then we have everything okay. social media is 3i forge yeah the number three with an i yeah it's sneaky forge. it looks it looks like a 31 and it, it it's that's maybe could have thought a little harder about 
making that decision, but here we are. So <laughs> <laughs> hindsight's right. better than foresight sometimes. Can I tell you something? Yours is just fine because I named my company Shegman Niver, Norwegian. <laughs> Nobody can spell it. Everybody can't pronounce it. Skegman knives. And um, so it means Beardman knives in Norwegian. So I own beardmanknives.com, shegmanknives.com, shegmanniver.com. So if you're in one of three companies, you can kind of get there. And and now it total makes total sense because I cut a two foot beard off and Beardman knives makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but at least if you look, I've got a big foot and he's got a beard. So, Hey, I'm, I'm sticking to that story now, but uh, no, I went right to three eye with no problems whatsoever. So I don't think it was such a, such a bad choice. At no. All. Now I'm looking at it now, man. Beautiful work, man. Isn't that great? Great yeah, stuff. Beautiful. It, it is. So how much time are you spending out, out in the shop? It's, uh, it, it's, it's been tough with, uh, uh promoting and, uh, we have a brand new baby girl that was here in December. So congratulations. Hey, congrats. That's, that's number three for us. So it's, you know, you have to adult sometimes and be a parent, which is dumb. And then, um, so <laughs> any extra time is, is usually in the shop. It's kind of my, my happy place. I like to come out and be creative and just, and just make stuff. Right. Right. I, uh, so tell, tell us what, uh, I guess we've, have we talked about it on the show, what you do during the day? You're, uh, you're, you're with the fire department and that is that there in, uh, I, know, Double it's not. I, I work for, uh, uh, I work for a, a middle sized department, just kind of up the road, right between Dallas and Fort Worth. I got you. Also, you're in Dallas to Fort Worth. Well, I can tell you, I'll be stopping at your shop sometime since that's where I'll be flying into. I, I actually, um, my day job, uh, I uh, have to fly over to uh, uh, to go to Waco and to Palestine, Texas. So uh, when I'm over in Palestine, I'll make sure that it's, I'll give you enough time to buy steaks and you know get your forge ready so you can go out there and teach me some stuff for free. Yeah, you're welcome me, anytime. But, and uh, if you fly into DFW, you you fly into the city that I work for. So you're, you're we're real close. You, you oh, said wow. you used to live in Louisville. Double Oak is the very next city to the West. <clears throat> oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and that was 1984, 85 that I lived in Louisville, Texas. And there was nothing out there except the neighborhood that my, I was in college. My parents wow. had, uh, had moved over there and, uh, so you'd go up 35 and, uh, um, just a neighborhood over by a Texas instruments plant, I believe was over in that particular area. So I went to North Texas state university for a semester, got, got all sad for my girlfriend and ran back to North Carolina. And that, that's the rest of the story right there. But I love Texas. I'm looking, I was over there last time in 2010, but I'll be out there quite a bit more often now with a new job responsibility I have. Um, so did with, as far as uh, Texas knife making, uh, did you, I, I would assume you went to Blade show, went to Blade, Texas. Yeah. Did you have a, a table over there or are you just going as a, I, a I don't, I, we've actually never had any inventory, which is kind of a, a good and a bad thing. Uh -huh. We, to this point, we've yeah. only ever done one off custom stuff and most of it's by commission. So we'll get some free time every once in a while to, to, to make something and, and put it out. Uh, that's not ordered, right? Uh, but they don't ever stick around very long. So we, we never have any inventory to, to really set up a table and, and kind of make it worth it for us. But that's, hundred percent the focus for this next year. So. Yeah. 
And that's not a bad situation to be in because when you've got a lot of work sitting around, um, you've got to find buyers for it. So if you're making it at the, at the rate that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, I forget what did, uh, what did Dan say to us last week about becoming a knife maker or a guy who makes knives? That's exactly what he said. And you know, which do you want to be? And I like being the guy who makes knives right now rather than a knife maker. Cause I know, uh, Kyle, uh, you, you carry the burden of, you've got to make not, and this isn't a bad thing. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying you carry that extra burden that you're running. A, it's your business as well. Mm. Um, so that, that gives you a whole different aspect. Yeah. Brian house on the work for it podcast has a good one too. Half your job is to make it and half your job is to sell it. So that's always, mm. uh, making a, like we've said or heard it a whole bunch having a mediocre product with excellent marketing is going to beat a uh, superb product with poor marketing so mm-hmm. uh, gotta gotta get out there and sell it too for sure for sure so how long you've been making uh, nine about eight years or so uh, it's, uh-huh. and it's it's just all been purely part-time so yeah yeah. Well, I tell you what, it, it's, it's pretty good. So tell me about your forged, uh, not forging fire. Tell me about your last blade standing experience, getting involved in that and, uh, everything you did, because I believe you're one of the I final four, weren't you? Second, second, excuse me. And did you go to Salisbury? I, I couldn't make it. It was, uh, Oh, well, just so you all know, it's not Salisbury. As they said in the advertising, it's Salisbury. I, my, my family, I got family from Salisbury. The reason I say that, but man, what a cool experience. It was, Tell cool. Us about it, was that. it was, it was quite the honor to be, you know, invited. It's kind of an invitation only tournament. And, uh, there was 64, uh, to start with and they did it all bracket style, you know, NCAA tournament type stuff. And it, it was, uh, there was a lot of really, really talented makers that were involved in the competition. Well, did you, um, so you yes. came in second place out of 64. Did you ask for a recount? Because I think that's typically what we do in today's uh, climate. <laughs> I didn't, uh, Colton or Ice won, uh, and his, his stuff's pretty sharp. So, uh, no pun intended. Yes, yes, I, I, yes, yes, yes. And I know that there's some political candidates out there that are very, very sharp. But if you come in second place, you're allowed to cry shenanigans and ask for a second vote. It's just the way we are. But I can tell you the difference between first and second. What Ricky Bobby say? You're not first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. Ricky Bobby's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I love the movie, but I will tell you, um, watching the uh, watching the competition and watch it all happen. Man, you, you're just you're such a talented guy, and I have a feeling a lot of people are going to get to know your name more um, as things like this begin to happen. Um, like uh, Dan had said um, about, uh, uh, no, excuse me, it was Jason Fry said, if you want to you want to become a good knife maker, uh, that's fine, you can do that. But if you want to become a well known knife maker, get involved in the community, attend shows, and get that feedback, and you'll grow from there. And uh, uh, you you. Uh, you're, you're quite the impressive guy. So you're going to pr- work on inventory for the future, but uh, what do you see as uh, the future of 31 Forge? Well, it, uh, we're we're going to make a push to start our very first production line. So, um, and, and I don't, we've never done it before. So we've never made two of anything ever. So um, right. it's going to be interesting. It's certainly going to come with, with its own set of challenges, but, um, trying to make, make them a little bit more affordable, 
get them in, in more hands and get them out there and kind of push them. We've got a couple of stores that are interested in carrying our stuff. So uh, if, if we can, cool. Cool. we can just make them a little bit more, you know, affordable, like I said. So not everybody can afford to spend $1,000 on a chef's yeah. knife, but a lot of people will spend a couple hundred bucks on the best knife they have in their kitchen. So sure. true, but don't ever dumb down your product. Cause you know, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, there's people, there's enough people in every price range for everything. But if you, uh, I used to own a fishing lure company and you can, uh, you can beat yourself up. I couldn't compete with strike King and lucky craft. It was amazing. I mean, people would go out and buy a lucky craft lure for $18. Um, but they didn't want to pay 24 for one of mine that was handmade. Um, and I could just, I just wasn't going to give them away for the sake of getting them out there. And, and, and when I say give them away, a few hundred dollars for a knife is not a bad price. If you can produce them, uh, at a profit margin that, that, uh, makes money and, and a capacity to be able to do that. Um, so I'm not knocking that by any means, but don't ever undersell yourself because what you're doing is artwork. And there may be a difference between a production knife versus a one-off type thing. Uh, not a big difference, just a subtle artistic differences that goes into that, but don't sell yourself short. Cause my goodness. Now I always say, uh, our shop and our forge and this, that, and the other, but it's only because I have a split personality and talk to myself. I heard you say we a lot. Uh, is there, this is a hundred percent a family, a family business. So I've got, um, oh, I've cool. got two boys. <clears throat> My one is just about to be seven. He'll be seven next week. And then one is 14 and they're, they're pretty well involved with stuff. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to keep oh, them, wow. you know, dialed in, but <laughs> they're interested in it. They like it. And the whole point of this was to kind of, you know, they may not want to make knives, but at least there's something for them to do. Um, I'm not trying to teach them a trade, yeah. but I'm going to teach them what a dollar feels like to earn. Right. So <clears throat> That's just kind of the uh, oh yeah the point of the whole thing. So I got a brand new daughter. My my wife handles all of the marketing and logistics for us, shipping and all of that stuff. So she's the one that takes all the pretty pictures, oh, and wow. she's the one that puts everything out there and addresses it and stamps it and ships it and orders all that steel and all that stuff. So it's everybody's involved. So, so basically, you're slave labor for her company. A hundred percent. Yeah. She tells me, see, I'm the same thing. She tells me exactly when I can do things that aren't ordered. Right. So she tells me when I can have playtime and when I have to actually <laughs> get stuff cranked out. Uh, see, my wife does, uh, gets the, uh, uh, credit card bills and all the invoices and stuff I spend. And she comes out and talks to me like it's her business. And I, I keep telling her, I said, it doesn't say Miss Carlisle's knives at the top of uh, my invoices. And, uh, and, uh, and she, she tells me how it really is. So yes, <laughs> she, she, lets me know. Soon. <laughs> she, she lets me know how, when I can put my pants on and go out to the shop right. and work as well. Uh, but, but it's so cool. You're doing that with your sons because even just teaching them to work with their hands because too many kids, all their handwork is done in front of video games and you're teaching them something that can transition into a trade transition into a backup trade. Um, you know, if they're in more of a white collar role and, 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 you know, it's always good to have that, but more than anything, you're creating memories for your children. And, uh, even with like my grandson now, he, uh, I don't let him hit my anvil, but I've got a little, uh, a uh, little jeweler's hammer and I've got a, uh, a little block of wood that uh, I tell him that it's his anvil. So I give him a piece of steel. I do it with my granddaughter as well. And I go out there and let them beat on that uh, and just keep them far enough apart. They don't smack each other in the head, but uh, cause only three. Um, but um, 
but yeah, I'm kind of planting those seeds too. And that's so cool. You do that. I know Kyle, uh, he, uh, actually under the table, he's paying his sons, but they're both very good at sanding micarta and steel. And, uh, his, his, they get out of school. They, one just walked off screen a little while ago and he's like, daddy, my hands are bleeding. He's like, get back there and sand that steel. Uh, <laughs> my fingers hurt. Now your back's going to hurt. It was poor yeah. landscaping duty. Do you want some, do you want some spam for breakfast? son (laughs) (laughs) yeah my boys are both in first grade so still got another year or two before i can get them to be too helpful but they love running the shop back so that's almost as good yeah always always loves to do if that's the case it's just just family involvement and you can't beat family can't beat involvement with others uh too many people sit around in the same room around the same table staring at their phones these days it's bad even i fall into it we all do from time to time but um but uh when you can break away from the telephone computers and spend some good quality time together in any with anything but especially knife making that's cool that's cool well guys here we come and uh this is where we take our big vote uh, whether Ooh. Jared gets to be an official Knives Templar and gets invited in the super, super secret Knives Templars Club. Did you know we got two spies in there? No. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, a couple of the executives over at Knife Perspective are in there seeing everything we're doing and talking about and probably taking <laughs> it back to the guys over at Knife Perspective and reporting <laughs> on it. Um, we'll just let anybody in, won't we? Um, but this is where, this is our secret private club that we invited our knife perspective friends into. And, uh, so we're going to take a vote right now and see if he's in it. And with that, let me tell you, Jared, if you get a positive vote and you get in, I don't want you to get anxious, but with that, uh, Mark is on his phone right now, typing out a certificate in just, it's just an email, but he's sending a certificate. It, It says certificate in the subject line and it's just, addressed you and says you're a member of the Knives Templars. In addition to that, you have all the rights and uh, uh, um, uh, you get a key to the sauna and everything else over at the Knives Templars, Uh, but you have no voting authority and you have no budget. So don't even come to me with an expense report for a Coca-Cola. We're not paying for it. But, But you can come in there and share all of your information that you have in your brain for me to glean from and become a better knife maker myself. So with that being said, I can see the excitement in your eyes and you want to get in. Uh, Kyle Daly, you're a voting member tonight. You said, yeah, looks great on Instagram. All the, I love the kitchen knives. That's, that's mainly what I make. So you're looking good, man. Do you have a, uh, do you have a, uh, uh, hammer, Jared, a, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, carbide hammer? I do. I have one somewhere around here. It look better said daily on it. Uh, oh. <laughs> you should ask him before the vote. <laughs> yeah, <don't. laughs> but he, but he's he's already voted, so you're fine, Jared. Yeah. At this point, uh, Mark, you say? Yeah, absolutely, yes. I say yes, and I know what's about to happen. So let me cotton my ears here, Don. Oh yeah, yeah. And with that, uh, with that, oh yeah, and Jared, welcome to the Knives welcome. Templars Club. You are part of the Knives Templars Nation as long as you want to be in it. And if you do buy, a, if I'm out in uh, Dallas, Texas area, and I get an opportunity to meet you, which I certainly hope I do, I will buy your lunch, your steak, your Coke, 
you don't have to worry about uh you don't have to worry you can't go buy it yourself and turn it in now but i'll buy it for you (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the knives templars um jared you're welcome to stick with us if you've got to jump off that's just fine too and as we always talk about just make sure your your uh, upload says 100 complete before you jump off and with that being said mark you look like you got to go to the restroom always all right we'll be right back (laughs) we'll be right back pops knife supply was started 40 years ago and is owned by four professional knife makers andy roy of fiddleback forge Alan Searles of W.A. Searles Knives, Joey Berry of J.B. Knifeworks, and Dirk Lutz of Dirk Lutz Knives make a great team of owners carrying on the traditions and business started by James Poplin. Over four decades in business is a testament to the best customer service with same-day shipping on weekdays. Pops only charges actual shipping and any shipping differences are refunded on your orders. Everything you need to make knives from grinding, steel, pin stock, heat treating, and more can be found at Pops. Visit them at popsknife.supplies. And now, back to the show. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, he was good. He's making some beautiful knives. People need to go out there oh. and check out his knives. Yeah, they're amazing. 30, yeah, thirty-one forge. Uh, he, yeah, he's very humble, very humble, soft-spoken guy. You wouldn't know it because he looks like he could pinch you in half, and that's what that's what's nice about big tough guys that they got kind hearts uh and uh he's just something else and and just so you guys know he puts his life on the line every day as a fireman uh helping take care of people in dallas fort worth area and uh we are so blessed to have had him on the show and uh look for him forward to him coming back again and also being able to chat with him in the uh in the in our facebook group so good deal good deal don um yes, sir. I hear you and Kyle have a segment tonight you wanted to talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about the hammer, straightening hammer. There was a question. Go for it. There was a question um, about that. Um, and I talked with Kyle today about that because I never had the problem um, with that um, straightening the, the knife and then going in and um, putting it on a surface grinder and having it go back warped again. I've never had that trouble, even though I surface grind most of my knives, but, um, and I called Kyle, asked him if he ever had any trouble with that. So Kyle, I'm going to let you explain that brother. Cause you did such a good job <clears throat> on that. So I'm going to let, let you have it brother. Go ahead and take it. Answer the man's question. Um, do you want to read the, the guy's question? Yeah, let me I find don't... his, um, I'm going to find it here. I got it right here. While he's looking at that, I do want to say, Mark VMAX, I do see you're sporting a Knives Templar shirt oh, tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's right. Y'all, got, y'all that. got any of those Kyle Daly? No, we don't have shirts yet, but we do have some pretty impressive stickers that uh, and posters that are going to be coming up. So. Well, I'm going to swap some stickers with you sometime because if you had a T-shirt, Kyle Daly, I would buy one of yours. I, oh, I got some Cage Daly Knives shirts. I just don't have a KP 
Nice perspective. Well, if you would like uh, to sign up for a sponsorship, KH Daily Knives on the KnivesTemplars.com, <laughs> we would be more than happy to sport your shirts. But yeah. I think, did, did I not put you out on KnivesTemplar.com as a uh, partner maker? If I haven't, I apologize. Yeah, Mr. Just remind me, if you look at KnivesTemplars.com and go to the Knives mm-hmm. Templar Nation, uh, look and see if I made you a partner. If not, I'll put your knife brand and your logo okay. and all that out there. So I know you did our podcast, Heck but yeah. I don't remember checking the maker. Yeah, make sure I did. Make sure I did for sure. Don, have you found your message? Yeah, I found him. His name is Wild Boy. He says, I ordered a carbide tip hammer from JT a month or two ago and just got to use it. I peened the side of the blade until it was quite straight. Then I surface ground off the dimples and the warp comes right back. Just curious how come many recommend it if it doesn't fix the warping. Am I doing something wrong, Kyle? And it's up to you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I have had a warp come back, but usually once I grind it, uh, I usually don't have the warp come back. So the whole the whole principle for the carbide straightening hammer is there's residual stress in the steel that happens during heat treating. So um, there's either compressive or tensile. So tensile is like push or pulling tensile is compression or pushing. Uh, So those, when you heat treat, there's a lot, those atoms and stuff in there are getting really stressed um, converting to martensite and a bunch of the other, um, molecules and stuff in the steel yeah so um that's usually what causes your warp now a lot of the steels are really good at doing what is called shim tempering where you can put them in the oven and overstress them bend them the other way on a flat piece of steel with like uh some sort of um steel piece or whatever to overcorrect them and then during the tempering cycle then they'll be back straight i have a really good um, experience with that with like CPM 154 and 154 CM, but on MagnaCut and some of these other high higher alloy uh, stainless steels, yeah, we're really get we're really getting the uh, flash flood warnings here. Um, <laughs> could oh, be our house is like <laughs> 20 feet above water level, so yeah, you're getting it too. Oh uh, yeah, we're getting uh, tornado watches here in the area right now. We had a tornado come through town last uh, Friday night, about one in the morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, ripped a nice uh, swath through town. So yeah, I'm uh, watching a little everybody, close tonight. So anyway, every, anyway, everybody okay? Uh, we had one death in town. Yeah, but there was a lot of lot. Yeah, a lot of uh, house and and uh, land damage. So, but anyway, um, gotcha. didn't mean to deviate away, but we were both talking weather as I was looking, <laughs> making sure I'm in the upstairs yeah. room right now. Um, so, uh, back to what I was saying. So when, when you heat treat, there's a lot of stresses that are happening in the steel. And that's part of the reason you, we do the tempering cycle is to, um, somewhat re- relieve a little bit of that stress, uh, without removing some of the hardness. Um, so when you have a, a warp blade, usually, um, on one side of the steel, it's, it's compressed or pulled more than the other. So that's why you hammer on the inside of the curve, which is the, the, the part that's pushing in. Mm-hmm. And as you hammer it, you're pushing the steel outward. Okay. And that's what causes that to, to then, uh, come back straight. Um, so the, the balls that I use in my hammer, um, I like to go from the heel or the, 
the spine down to the edge in like a line and then kind of work from the the center of the the curve and work towards the handle and then i like to work towards the tip um for whatever reason that's just how i've gone about doing it i don't think that's really how or uh you could do it the opposite direction but um when i've when i've ground a bunch of the the dimples back out i usually don't have it too much every so often i'll have to like hammer it again as i'm grinding but as i as i grind my blades i keep an eye on it um if you're going to be wanting to have that top part uh really flat um like um kind of like that's nice and surface ground or whatever Mm -hmm. you might want to not hammer on that edge and try to hammer more down to where you're going to be grinding the blades um and see if that helps but um sometimes it just doesn't work um no matter what you do sometimes the the hammer doesn't do the trick um i've hammered about 300 blades now and it's still or i've cracked four of them so uh well worth the money it's still not a a magic bullet but um it saved me would that be 296 blades um that would have been warped for for grinding so um yeah try try doing the different hammer technique uh the surface grinder sometimes pulling it flat and grinding in different ways Mm -hmm. um there's definitely technique and skill to the surface grinder, especially if you're using one of the surface grinder attachments. Yep. Uh, the stone surface grinders I've, I know are a lot better at um, not not inducing a warp as you grind. Um, the the surface grinder attachments, um, like using your hands, moving it back and forth, uh, introduce a lot of error, and usually those slides aren't nearly as tight as some of the like stone surface grinders Hmm. um that it can hold tighter tolerances so um try some different stuff don't give up you can message me and i can try to to help you some more if uh that that stuff doesn't help well thank you kyle preach i I believe that wild boy probably appreciates what you just said to him so maybe he can take that to heart like i said i i couldn't help him too well i've had i've had maybe four or five blades that's kind of warped uh, stainless and uh, i seem to have no problems but uh and get them straight and flat i mean so i've been real real pleased i meant say five blades you figure if it costs you twenty dollars if you're doing magnet cut and you're doing an eight inch blade you're looking at probably about thirty dollars a blade so if you can save that 30 bucks that that takes the place of the hammer after about three three blades so well done man yeah yeah, yeah. and for and for me it's almost all my or pretty much all my knives have file work and stuff so i've got um a pretty good amount of work into every blade before i heat treat yes so, most likely. Um, even though i grind everything post heat treat yeah when that happens to me i don't have a straightening hammer you can use that on high carbon steel as well Kyle. oh yes Yep. Okay. See, I, I don't have one, and I, I guess I need to go ahead and uh, buy buy a KH Daily hammer. Um, but up until this point, I've just been selling them as grapefruit, fruit, and melon knives. People love yep. them. Yeah. <laughs> to, cut, to cut a to cut around a corner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the yeah, the high carbon uh, grapefruit knife. I can tell you, there's quite a patina on that once you get through half a grapefruit. Uh, <laughs> Well, that, that is wonderful. And, and that's what Dan was referring to about uh, putting Kyle on a pedestal. Not only is he a great knife maker, he's a great engineer and understands the materials. And um, 
once I get back from Batson's and I got this next purchase, you know, we all add a tool here or there, but Mr. Daly, I will be picking up one of your, uh, one of your hammers. Cause I want it to come from, from you, especially with that t-shirt nice. you said you'd include. So oh, that is good. Yeah. That is cool. Nice. That is cool. No, no, no. He's we'll, got, good, uh, he's we'll got cool stickers sometime, though. But he got some cool stickers. I, th- I think, I think, you know, there's certain people that come into your lives and you're glad they did. And I'm not getting all emotional with you, Kyle. I'm just saying that, Hey, you're, you're uh, you're a good influence on this community. So, thank and you. I, and I know another good influence and his name is Mr. Jason Fry. So let's take a moment because he's got a tip for us. Hey, this is Jason Fry. I wanted to talk a little bit about the business side of doing a knife show. I've got a little bit of philosophy on that I'd like to share with you. Uh, one tip would be that you need to bring something to pay for your table, right? You better have uh, some trinkets or some gizmos or some books or some price point knives. Um, if you show up with, unless you're a master smith, I mean, unless you're somebody special, um, you better show up with some stuff that's likely to sell that you can sell in a hurry. You know, I will try to have a hundred fifty dollar little EDC knife on my table, for example, uh, or some books or something, because there's nothing worse about a knife show than working all day and not having enough cash in your pocket to go eat dinner. Right, so you you set yourself up for success by having a little bit of stuff on the small side. I would say the opposite is also true, right? You don't want to go to a show with just an assortment of boring stuff or cheap stuff or low end stuff relative to your capabilities. So you always need to try to have one piece that is uh, special, um, that is above your bar, that is dramatic or that really showcases your skills, right? So, you know, it may be a a $500 piece or a $1,000 piece or a $5,000 piece, right? Bring something good uh, that really showcases your talent. Those little cheap ones may pay for your day or your dinner, but the the big ones are what make people stop at your table, right? The guys that just walk by and never stop don't buy anything from you, right? Another thing I want to say about that has to do with uh, color. Even if you're the guy that makes... uh, Makes my car to handle knives in, in olive drab and black, and that's your thing, right? Put a daggum purple one or orange or something on there, right? You need something bright to make that one stand out. I've actually done experiments with this. I had a runner factory knives that had a bunch of different colors, and I actually experimented with <laughs> placement, right? So everybody always picked up the one on the right uh, more often because they're right-handed, but I also fiddled with which knives got the most pickups out of this array of six identical knives with different colored handles. And it's usually the bright ones. It's usually the dramatic ones. Now that's not always the one that sells, but that's the one that gets the most pickups. So take that for what it's worth. Another tip that you'll see pretty often has to do with, uh, how you interact with the customers, right? Unless your stuff is just something special, you'll get better mileage out of, uh, smiling or greeting really every customer you make eye contact with right don't stand there like a carnival barker and holler at everybody that walks by but if they look at you say good evening good afternoon good morning how are you doing any of that then they'll sometimes walk up to your table and uh there's several kinds of folks but one kind of people doesn't like to pick stuff up without asking like they they look at it and they just wait right and I like to tell those folks, go ahead and pick it up, right? If they say, no, it's okay, I'll usually make a joke. I'll say, man, you're not going to buy a car without a test drive. (laughs) You see, you need to pick this knife up so you can take it to your house. You know, something like that. 
you know, not hard selling, but being a little goofy. I personally like to set my knives with the handle pointed toward the customer and the blade pointed toward me. Now, if you don't have very many, you can set them horizontally on the table. That's fine. But I want my table spread to send the message to the customer to pick up that knife. <laughs> I want the colorful, bright handle part out front. Uh, I want everything about it to say, pick me up, man, pick me up. Right, because they don't take them home unless they pick them up first. Another thing about table arrangement is that I tend to put my knives in price point order. It doesn't matter if you go left or right or right to left. But what that does is it tells the customer like where the knife fits because some of it's going to be obvious i mean if you've got 150 dollars knives or 500 knives or thousand dollar knives it'll be obvious which ones are the high end right but the other thing it does is it helps you keep the prices right you can keep in your mind easier if they're kind of in order not all mixed up i personally tend to not put prices on my knives because i like to engage the customer right i want to talk to them many many other capable qualified folks will put prices on their knives and they are not incorrect either because some people will not ask you they'll just say oh if, if it's not tagged i can't afford it or or whatever so both of those strategies are legit you just have to decide which one you want to do when it comes to pricing um, another thought about pricing there are times when you want to swing for the fence and there are times when you want to take the bunt single right i tend to want to price I feel like I want to price my knives a little on the hot side at a show because I'm there to make money and I need to make money and I've got all these knives that I've been saving for months and I don't have anything. Right? That works if you want to make a good return on each individual knife, but you tend to sell less if your prices are a little hot. They call that supply and demand, right? Like if your price is too high, the demand goes down, right? So the other alternative is to price them just a little low at a show because then you know you can sell a bunch. You lose a little on margin, but you make up for it in volume. You're just going to have to decide for yourself. Pricing is one of the absolute hardest things about knife making uh, business. I don't want to dive off into that too hard. Sometimes at a show, people will come up to you and uh, try to knock some off the price. You know, you say, oh, that knife's $300. And they say, well, you take 250 in general, it's up to you. There's no shame in saying, no, I can't do that. There's all kinds of negotiation games, but in the end of the day, there are no bad deals and no bad prices if everybody agrees on it, right? So if you decide you need the money more than you need the knife, and so do they, then everybody's happy. That's cool. There are no hard and fast rules on pricing like that in my book. So for today's segment, we've covered knife show pricing. We've covered knife show assortment and table layout a little bit. In the next round, we'll cover uh, the things that you miss at a knife show if all you do is try to sell knives, right? There's more to this business than just moving product. So next time around, we will talk about the benefits of a knife show that don't involve knife sales. Come out. Yeah. So, uh, so guys, uh, welcome back. And uh, we're at the hour and a half mark. So it is about time that we, uh, or an hour and a half since we started talking. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I tell you what, if Mark VMAX don't quit saying all them words that I got to cut out of this thing that, no, I'm just joking. They won't know that. Mark. They're like, Mark's got a potty mouth. My gosh. No, he doesn't. I don't have to cut it out. We just did talk for about 20 minutes before we got started tonight. But, um, Got some questions. Uh, thanks for the feedback on the hammer there, uh, Colin. I am going to get a hammer from you. You can advise me on which and how to do it because I know you got a couple different sizes. But uh, question this week. This is pretty good, and this may go on for a while. Uh, 
besides a belt sander, saw, and a drill press. So we've taken away the saw, the drill press, and the sander. Name 10 tools that you can't do without in your knife making shop and why. And you can't say a straightening hammer because we already talked about it. Hmm. But I can agree. I, I agree. That should be one. Okay. Can I say a disc, my disc sander? Disc sander. I'll write that down. Disc sander. That's, <laughs> that's, that's one. And why? You have to say why. So, uh, yeah, doing my bigger kitchen knives, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine making them uh, as well as I do now without my disc sander. It really helps cut down on my hand sanding and everything. Um, I've got the Nielsen disc system for mine. It's a aluminum hub with magnets, and then it has uh, steel plates that uh, go on and off. Mm-hmm. And I've got some with some rubber behind it, which really helped to like give it a little bit of cushion. It has that seventy durometer rubber uh, behind it. And uh, just gives a little bit of cushion when you're going on those finer grits um, on the disc sander. Just helps give you that nice distal taper. The whole you can get pretty much the whole blade on there at one time and get it all flat. So that that's a good question that I've got. You know, uh, uh, you think about your disc sander; it's going around. So one side's going down, one side's coming up. And as you go to sand things, can you throw the blade across both sides of that circumference, or do you have to? buy a big enough disc that you're basically hitting the up or the downside i use a nine inch well it's actually eight and eight and three quarters or whatever so you could use nine and a half by 11 sheets of paper and trim around the outside but Mm -hmm. i like to use the nine inch uh, psa ceramic Uh, psa stands for pressure sensitive adhesive for people right Mm -hmm. um discs that i get from true grit uh they're the 3m ceramic and um they sell those in 60, 80, 120, and 220 grit. Um, but then after that, I have to go to the, I use the Endasa Rhino Wet Red Line 9 by 11 sheets and trim it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I use the the top half. Gotcha. You, you basically, and then I use the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to stop the VFD and have it spin the opposite direction. Uh, I was just doing that way too much and it takes a little while for it to spin down and spin back up. So, um, now I just kind of flip it back and forth and, um, yeah, I, I, I just, uh, you want to make sure you don't put the knife like through the actual center mm-hmm. of it. Um, but if you have it on the top you, you've got or a, the side opposing grinds when it does that, right. It'll just give you a whole like arc. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. gotcha. So you're going to want to make sure you hand sand or something after that. Or bead blast. Uh, yeah, or bead blast. <laughs> just, just so you know, I'm putting my shopping list together for the next year for things. This is really what this question's about. So disc sander, disc sander. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would highly recommend that Nielsen disc system. The guy's out of Canada. I've talked to Lawrence Lake at Maritime Knife Supply since he's in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully he can uh, help get uh, facilitate that um, transaction. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, who wants to throw out... Number two, number two, Mark. You know, I, I think it's, maybe it's really apparent, but, uh, you know, I think you need a vice. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, I have everything in my vice all the time. I, I, I probably use it um, in place of a lot of stuff. You know, I, in fact, I have, well, I won't bring that up because that could be another item. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's just good to, you know, I have everything in there. So... A variety, of, a variety of vices, you know. That's uh, right. Even yeah. even a small modeling vice, you know, I think uh, I, I want to get one of those that is, uh, you know, see them on a little ball that you can position in almost any uh, right. any position. I think that's uh, that's good. And 
So, uh, yeah. 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 I've got one of the Yoast 750DI vices, and uh, it actually has a rotatable head. um, And that's that's really handy. It's uh, it'll go on sale on Amazon quite a bit. Uh, definitely check that one out. Uh, that's a really good one for around the $200 mark. So what would, or at least it used to be, what would Otisir, <laughs> what would Otisir say is a tool he can't do without? Oh, I know. He, 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 he loves his, uh, um, you know, his file guide, Jake. Yeah, file there guide you go. Jake. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I got one. I, I was I was just going to include Otisir in that because I know that he uh, imports them from. Uh, well, he needs to import them from, uh, like they do, uh, load up a sub and, and send it out in the Atlantic and dump it off like cocaine on the on the shore because he said <laughs> they cost as much to ship as they are to buy. So uh, there's a black market for file guides. But yeah, I think a good carbide file guide. And not only Otisir's, um, Ethan Lee makes some beautiful, beautiful file guides. Kyle, do you make file guides? No. Okay. I didn't want to undercut you no. there if you did. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I've got one that Brian Bump made. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. Uh, he actually has like a dovetailed carbide piece on there so it's not actually glued at all it's actually physically attached and i saw bill Banky this uh, past weekend at the badger knife show and uh, his new one that is with neil kamamura for integrals is screwed on and his he's going to be going with uh, screwed on mm-hmm. carbide faces mm-hmm. uh, on all his file guides coming uh, on his next batches so yeah. uh, that really helps a lot with not having the carbide fall off the adhesive gets hot and then it fails so True. Good point. And, and, and not only for grinding in for hidden tangs and stuff, but, uh, if you are, you know, hand grinding, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. It's a handle. It keeps you in line as far as your plunge line goes. It's a versatile tool, not just for, uh, taking your hand files too. So if you're, uh, you're taking your, your knives to a belt grinder, et cetera, a lot, a lot of use there. Don, you've got a tool shop extraordinaire. What would you say? I could not. I'll tell you what. Simple, but just the cal, uh, digital calipers. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to say cow cow brewer. Cow cow brewer. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fan of the digital ones. I like the digital ones, and I also have a height gauge. The height gauge too um, that comes in real handy. So, what what brand of digital calipers do you have? Uh, they are a Wixie brand. Made by Wixie, and I've had them for twenty years. I uh, the digital calipers, I'm not so much a fan of because I almost every time I pick them up, the batteries are dead. Yeah. So I feel like I'm swapping batteries all the time. So I'm a bigger fan of the the dials. Yeah, yeah. I do. I have a set of them, but the um, this brand I have, the Wixie brand, it's uh, I've had them for golly, it's got to be twenty years. I mean. Back then, they were $29 back then at Woodcraft, so uh, I had to have them yeah. woodworking. So I go out and buy the Harbor Freight calipers. Don't laugh now. I go out and buy the Harbor Freight calipers because they're like nine, eight or nine bucks, and what I do is I go through and I set my, um, my uh, center lines mm-hmm. so I keep my gap, and I just drag them down the edge. And, and I hear you've got your height gauge and all for doing that. But for me, you know, eight bucks and I grind it down the edge and, and it seems to do good. Very rarely do I use them for actual measurements, but they, they, they've got, uh, um, they've got measurements on it. You don't have to use the digital side cause they don't last that long, but I'm like you, Kyle, I've got a fairly expensive set of calipers I've had for 
25 years that are, uh, what do you, what do you call them? They're manual or analog or whatever. Yeah, they got the gate down there. They got, they got, they got measurements on them. So guys, I'm going to, you're not going to believe this. I mean, if we were playing family feud right now, we'd be taking home the bank. Are you ready? Cause here, I'm going to bring her on home. A granite block. Oh, oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Got yeah, that. Yeah. You got to have that too. Yeah. I was going to add one more thing to Don's height gauge. Make sure you get one that has a carbide tip yep. on the, for scribing exactly. uh, really helps with scribing the center lines and stuff like that on your blades. And Don says a carbide tip height gauge on your granite block. That's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> you got, if you're going to use a height gauge, you got to use a granite block. That's right. Flat yeah. pop. That's right. That's right. But uh, you can usually find those uh, like nine by 12 or nine and a half by 12 inch ones on sale on like uh, Woodcraft uh, has used them to be Enco. Woodcraft and other yeah, it used to be Enco. Now I think it's MSC that mm-hmm. bought Enco, uh, but they go on sale a lot, and you can or they go on sale for like forty dollars shipped. So cheap. Depends on how thickness though. I think I got a two and a half or two inch thick one, but yeah. And the the great thing about those nine nine by twelve inch ones is it's like perfect for the the nine by 11 sheets of sandpaper for flattening your, your handle scales and stuff. And, and that's what I use mine for is I will go back and take my uh, scales to it. And, and besides leather work, which I'm not doing any tooling anymore, I got tired of doing all that extra work. Um, I'm not going to be a Joey Terrio with his tooling. Uh, and it's fun to do. I was just didn't want to spend that much time, but I, I do it for flattening handles and and seeing that my knives are flat and this that and the other. So it's it's a good tool to have. I would say um, uh, anvil and uh, uh, forge, but you don't need those things necessarily. Well, you, well, let me take that back. You don't need an anvil to make knives. Um, so we'll take away those things if you do something different. I would say a forge, a good a good gas forge, and it doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs to be reliable and do a good job, whether it's homemade forge uh, that you've made the burners on or bought the burners and added it to it, but um, a good forge. I, believe I don't have it. either one of those. Well, <laughs> and you're going to say? A heat treat oven. Yeah. But that's pretty pricey. Yes, I, I know that my Majestic was a little over $500 for the three burner. Uh, yours was uh, probably uh, $2,500 to $3,000, I'm guessing, uh, maybe four. Um, I think my even heat oven was like fifteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred. Oh, okay. Like it was much cheaper than I thought. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, a with that being more said, now, though. a little bit more now. <laughs> really? Yeah, they're about the precision. Yeah, the precision with a heat treat oven, you can't you can't beat. You certainly can't forge um, effectively out of an oven, but you know that's why you uh, and and beat steel. But you certainly can make a lot of very precise, quality, uh, controlled knives out of an oven. I don't have one yet. I've got a I've got a heat heat gun right now. That's about as close as I can get to temps. And call it. I've heard quite a few people are using the heat or the heat tree ovens, uh, to help forge out the copper, uh, hmm. the copper lined Damascus stuff. Uh, so it ho- gets it to the exact right temperature. So you don't have to worry about getting it too hot and it all melting out. So that's, cool. that's really smart. That's cool. That is super smart right there. That is good. Takes a little bit longer, but works better. So ever. we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one disc vice file, calipers 
And I said calipers and height gauge. Granite block, forge, oven. So so I think, uh, you know, Eric brought this up a couple times. And, and since he's uh, just messaging because he just got home, I'll... I'll, uh, I'll throw one out that he's brought up a couple times is, and I think you just mentioned it, that IR temp gun. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, didn't you just get one of those chip? I did. Yeah. And so, uh, I'll tell you, I thought that was, especially for a, a newer maker like myself that, uh, you know, I'm still heating, heat treating stuff up in forges and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just trying to get that, that heat treat, right. Uh, it really started helping me dial in of, of, of what it, what right looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and I found out I was way too hot. <laughs> so, yeah, you, uh, you know, <laughs> once I got that thing, I was like, wow, I didn't realize I was like 17, 800 degrees on this thing. And so, uh, the, uh, you know, really started helping me dial in what, what, what it should be. No and, wonder my uh, knife grew warts while it was. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see, we got two more to get to 10. And these aren't all the tools. These are just, you know, because we could go off on, you know, um, files and different types of files and just everything else. We're going on those really cool things that that you could have. Bandsaw. Well, how about a, okay, where'd you well, get? Saw's already included. Oh, okay. Saw's yeah. already included. How about a digital angle gauge? Yeah. Like my iPhone? Well, you know, that you could I use your iPhone. I, you know, I bought one, of, uh, you know, I have my iPhone but I just bought one of those little simple magnetic mm-hmm. angle gauges that you can zero out. And, and yeah. I use that all the time now. You know, if I, if I change the angle of my, my you know, tool rest or my, my mm-hmm. table and so I can check my, my platen and then just throw it back on my, my rest. And then, you know, I, it doesn't matter uh, you yeah. know, if they're both yeah. off, as long as they're still 90 degrees. Right. There and, you go. So it, and you can use it on your table saw and stuff like that sure. to make sure the blade is That's right. vertical too. Yeah, I'm still using the uh, angle gauge on my file guide when I'm sharpening knives. Maybe I ought to do something different, but it, it works. I use that Ameribrade sharpening attachment, so it just lays right on mm-hmm. that arm quite nice, and I can pull up my degrees. One of the things I use all the time are one, two, three, and two, four, oh, six. Oh, yeah. Ah. It, that's a, you, so, you got to have that. That's yeah, a good so addition. The, the, the two, four, six blocks were a big game changer. Uh, they're two inches by four inches by six inches. And I use those on the drill press a lot. To, uh, so I don't have to constantly move the table of the drill press up and down quite as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also helps me set things like 90 degrees right up against each other really quickly. I check my drill presses before I do a whole bunch of handle scales uh, every single time. Cause I've gotten bit a couple times that mm. I don't know how my table got just a little <laughs> bit crooked, but uh, yeah, always check that for all your drill presses. Yep. So there's your top 10. So right now our honorable mentions, any last ones to throw out there guys? Hmm. Uh, I like those little can't twist clamps. Yeah, they're oh, like excellent. Clamp oh, yes. that, uh, Without a doubt, can't twist. I have some that are like one inch uh, long, and they have a little round uh, part on the back mm-hmm. end, and I use that to squeeze my handle sets together while I clean up all the sides, and then I super glue tack around the outside. Yeah, so. I've got six of those. Um, yeah, what about? I wish they weren't so expensive. Yeah, I know that's they're crazy. <laughs> they're crazy. Yeah. What about um, a? Um, uh, a grinding jig. Yep. Yeah. Not required. Okay. I still use mine occasionally. 
Yeah, about yeah. half the time I use it. I'll be honest with you. When I'm going for really, really precise lines with my skill level, you know that one I made with the uh, false edge on it, uh, mm-hmm. Mark. Yeah, you know, I, I use my. I, I couldn't have done that freehanded. I did that with my jig, but I mean, you still had to do it with a jig. Don't get me wrong, but you know that made it happen. Mm-hmm. And also because I don't have the money to spend on those little C clamps that. Um, uh, who's the guy that made your uh, file guide that you had to get a replacement on? Oh, the, the TR maker one. Yeah. Oh, the TR I, got, maker. I got, I got that back. They, they, yes, they, I saw, I saw yeah. good deal. TR, TR maker was selling those little C clamps with the little turn knobs on them mm-hmm. for like 50, 45, 50 bucks a piece. I'm like, I can go to Harbor Freight and buy little C clamps for 79 cents. So, uh, I brought them home and, uh, I, I don't have a welder here. That's one of oh welder. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> but uh, so many tools. Uh, but I got some JB weld and uh, I glued some. I cut off the uh, the ninety degree or whatever bar and um, cut it off. And I glued some little screw caps on there and made some for. 67 cents a piece with some JB weld I had, but that's a really cool tool, but I just can't afford to go out and spend 50 bucks on a little C clamp. Mm. Neat concept. Very expensive. Yeah. There we go. Anything else? I have in the, in the mail today. uh, Well, actually it should be coming tomorrow. Not exactly for knives, but uh, I have a, a, a leather stitching pony coming. Oh, good. If you, yep. If you're making your own sheaths, I've got one. It's a, it enables you to do proper saddle stitching mm-hmm. um, because it holds it there. It holds it the right angle. And when you're doing proper saddle stitching and you do that loop knot and you pull on it and you feel the, you feel that knot pull inside the leather, you know, you're doing mm-hmm. it right. It just kind of pops in. So that's, a, that's a good one. Um, I guess I'm going to come up with 27 more things if I don't shut up because yeah. I keep thinking <laughs> of things and forgetting about them when we start talking. Let's oh, just yeah. say three, 3D printer. Oh, hey. yeah. 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 CNC uh, machine. Laser, oh, yeah. laser, fiber laser, fiber laser. And the number one thing is a good, good, good Bluetooth speaker so you can listen to the Knives Templars and Knife Perspective yeah. podcast while you're making knives. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. The, the ISO tunes over the ear uh, headphones. Yeah. I use those all the time. Like, we work in really, really loud environments, so uh, really need to take care of our hearing. So, yeah, uh, guys, like, can't stress it enough. Mm-hmm. Wear that PPE. Yeah. Hey. So. Well, I encourage you guys to go to your favorite provider of tools you can't do without, and mm-hmm. uh, MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. Uh, Pops Knife Supply uh, for this particular show as well. Um, are guys that that provide many of these tools so go out there and get you some so while you're going out there and looking right now and something you heard uh we're gonna take a little break be right back Hey guys, what was your source of inspiration when you first decided to make knives? You know, many go to the books and also some go to the web, uh, but many also head to YouTube for videos. 
Well, you know, we are fortunate enough to have Eric Rivers from the Rivers Experience as a co-host on the Knives Templars. But you know what? He's also a sponsor. And I tell you, 27,000 followers can't be wrong in following his skilled and educational regular videos that teach the fine arts of making beautiful knives. I know because I'm a subscriber to his channel and I learned at my pace and without making those mistakes by walking in the dark regarding knife making. Be sure and check out his channel, The Rivers Experience, on YouTube or his website at theriversexperience.com. And now back to our show. Welcome back, guys. I hope you all went out there and uh, and started placing your orders for those top 10. And Actually, we could have a whole show just start listing components. I think the top 1,000 things you should have in your shop because from a 99-cent item up to thousands of dollars, uh, there's always something we left out tire hammer, but again, that falls into the forging rim. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one, one last question. We've got another, uh, 20 minutes left in the show. So, uh, this is going to be good. Cause all you guys have experienced this as well as I, um, this comes from a guy by the name of Gary. And he says, guys, I'm having a hard time getting cleaned up. It seems like there's always black streaks. As much as I sand, I can't get rid of them. Uh, what is the best method for post-heat treat cleanup? Hmm. I assume he's talking about the bevels of his knives? Um, probably his knife in general. Yeah, he's, he's quenched it and he's got, you know, I can say one thing, and I realize this. Make sure you're quenching at the right temperature and your knife's at the right temperature. You will, or That carbon won't separate from the blade. That's number one, and that stuff's you know on hard. Number two, I would say, is you need to make sure you sand that knife out to the degree you want that finished sand to be. If you're not, if you don't do your grinding after you heat treat, some people, you know, will grind after they heat treat. Um, but if you're, if you're um, doing it the way <laughs> I typically do it, I'll, I'll, you want to make sure you've got it ground out to where you're going to go back and just clean it up. You're not going to be doing your final grinding on that second one. If anything, you're taking it to the belt and just touching it up and, uh, or just cleaning it up with some sandpaper. But I would say knife prep prior to heat treat is very important and temperature. Yeah, I think um, I think when you're doing um, like thin blades, these knives I'm holding up. I know y'all can't see them, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's sixteenth inch thick, about sixty five thousand something like that, and um, no sixty five. Mm-hmm. Um, the heat treat, and then I started with my stainless and my kitchen knives. Thinner they are, I just go ahead and wait after heat treat, and then temper, and I go back and and grind them so and then clean them up if you do that if you do that isn't it important to have a uh um a variable speed so you're not overheating those knives or making sure you're not yeah if a belt grinder without variable speed is very tricky (laughs) i never had one if you don't if you don't have variable speed you need to be using very sharp belts because once the belts start to dull that's when the the steel really heats up quick It's neat you say that because that that brings me to this, which is kind of a sideline item, a side item thing. Is that um, yesterday I just held up a knife on the screen, a little little <laughs> uh, wee little knife I call it, uh, and what it is, I'm it's just a little fixed blade I'm going to carry in my pocket and a little uh, button sheath. But um, uh, I found that I went, I thought I had this 120 deg- uh, 120 grit belt that I was just going to grind this last knife out of. And I couldn't get the grinds right. 
it wouldn't come out and I got it down to uh, where I wanted my rough bevel to be. And then it cut too deep all of a sudden in one area. Next thing you know, I've ground it down to a, uh, a minus three edge, not a zero edge, a minus three. I've, <laughs> I've cut through it. Now it's folding over on both sides. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, uh, just stuck the tip in the, uh, um, in that belt and just, you know, lightly and just kind of bent it over and walked outside and ceremoniously threw it in the trash and said a couple mm-hmm. cuss words. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you got to get those reels and you got to sho- take a video and <laughs> just right. shoving the knife. And throw it in the garbage. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, so, I, but I, I, I almost felt like a failure. Like crap. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to bed tonight with that. And it, it doesn't take that long to get a knife to that point, uh, an hour or so. So I drew up another one on another piece of steel and cut it out and took it back. And this time I went to my fresh, I, I threw every old belt I had away last night. I took it in, I put a fresh belt on it. Nine minutes later, I had a very nicely ground knife. You can't say enough about having good belts. Um, and even for guys wanting to clean up like this, if, if you're going back and cleaning your knife up after the fact, don't use the belts that you use to do the initial grind. Yeah. Who, who was saying, uh, you know, use belts like you own the company. Yeah. Oh, everybody said that. <laughs> yeah, everybody, been, right? Yeah, it might have been Chris Jones that brought that to us at yeah, one time. It, yeah, it was somebody on the one, one of the Makers Mark folks. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I save all those other belts because I, I use them for other stuff. Like if I'm grinding a screw down or, or you know, something else, I'm doing some project in the garage or uh, lawnmower blades. Yeah, lawnmower. I just did my lawnmower blade. So, so they're, they're good to, to keep on the side. But uh, I, I've definitely found that the last last one you know, using a brand new belt is is wonderful yeah so in this guy's particular question as far as best cleanup method mm-hmm. using good belts i would say making sure that if you're grinding before you heat treat make sure you're getting it almost to the finished uh, yep. uh finish that you want uh so that when you go back you're cleaning it up with you know 400 600 grit paper and just cleaning it up and also making sure you're putting it in at the right temps, because if you're ending up with bubbles in your steel or, or, you know, what I call pimples in your steel, Mm -hmm. if you end up with, uh, um, you know, very hard, uh, carbon buildup that doesn't pop when you put it in the, um, in the, uh, quenchant, um, or you've got deep grinding lines in cause you didn't sand it out. It's just going to be impossible because then you've got a hardened piece of steel that, um, it's going to take a hundred times the amount of sanding that it took to get it there when it was uh, softer. Yeah. I know a guy that he does all his grinding pre-heat treat, hand sanding up to 800 grit, heat treats, comes back and it starts back over and hand sands at about right at 180, 220 and goes back through the grits, polished it. Beautiful work, but yeah. Um, I mean, you can do that if you're going to, um, if you are going to grind and do all your grind before heat treat, you have to take it down pretty high in your grits, like you said, or it's going to take a while <laughs> to get it back. And uh, you, you made me think of something there also. Don't go from 220 to 400 to 600. Uh, you know, make sure that you're graduating up because if you're not using, if you're not graduating up to the next uh, grit size, 
you're jumping too far and you'll never get those deeper yeah. scratches out of there. Yeah. So. Make sure you scratch this all out. And then, but me personally, I never done that because all the guys I watched and people I talked to when I first started, they mm -hmm. always went ahead and pre-ground and then some get the bevel down, do their 45 through their edge thickness. And then what they want pre-heat treat and then grind the bevels where you wanted that for pre-heat treat and then go in heat treat temper come back in and regrind your bevels to the thickness edge thickness that you want so that's the way i've always right. done it well guys i think we've kind of beat this one to death tonight we have uh polished this one back up after we got started so with all that being said i just want to let our listeners know we appreciate you being here we appreciate you also checking out the Knife Perspective podcast, uh, one of our brother podcasts out there, and we enjoy what they do, and Kyle and Dan. Um, and we want to encourage you to visit uh, KnivesTemplars.com. But if you have questions, comments, product reviews, uh, show or guest ideas, if you need to tell me to quit talking over people, subscribe <laughs> and email us at the Knives Templars at Yahoo. You can also DM us on Facebook in the Knives Templars podcast group. And like I said, visit us at KnivesTemplars.com to stay up to date. This episode is sponsored by The Rivers Experience, Last Blade Standing, Knife-Wood.com, Ameribraid, and don't forget they've got a Templars 100 through April 30th that you can go out and buy one of their grinding packages for $100 off if you put in Templars 100 in at checkout. Majestic Forge. Byford's Guns right here in Hartsell, Alabama, Pops Knife Supplies, Maritime Knife Supply, Phoenix Abrasives, and don't forget that they've got a Templar's 10 at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your order there. Do you have a 10% discount off at uh, Phoenix also for uh, Knife Perspective as well, don't you, Kyle? Yes. See, I listen to you guys. I like your podcast. Yeah. So Thanks. we uh, we want to <laughs> share that out there. That uh, Are there any other savings that your podcast has, Kyle, for um at jance knife supply you can use kp grip to get 10 percent off all handle material there you go there you go thank you for that hey guys we are available on iHeartRadio, spotify apple podcast google podcast anchor amazon Castbox, or any of your other uh podcast providers if we're not on your podcast provider send me an email and let me know and we'll make sure we get it posted there got a list of resources for you go to tre workshop on facebook great group and also the knives templars podcast on facebook and the last thing i'll tell you is knives templars at yahoo.com give us any questions comments uh criticize congratulate whatever you want to do because we want to make this a great podcast for all with all that being said guys it's time for good night buenos noches I got I got one more thing nah. if you don't mind. Oh yeah, right ahead. Uh, so blade show is coming up, and if you want to learn how to uh, add a little bit of extra bling to your knife, I'm going to be teaching the class on decorative knife file work on Saturday at, from eight thirty to nine thirty in the morning. Uh, so you won't have to miss much of the the show. So the I believe it's twenty five dollars for the cost of the class, um, and it's uh yeah a little over an hour and um teaching you how to do the five different types of file work i do what was the lady's name that asked you to do that 
Alicia. Alicia. Yeah, she contacted me and uh, they said for, um, you know, how when people are giving speeches, they have people that stand over and do the uh, sign language and everything. She, okay. I, I thought that's what she wanted. She said, no, that she wanted somebody to do interpretive dance while you're describing. <laughs> so I will be uh, there in a tutu and I'll be doing interpretive dance uh, rendition called file grinding. So nice. No, I'm going to sign up and go to that <laughs> class, Kyle. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for letting us know. So with that being said, I say buenos noches one more time. And you guys say? Good night. Have a great week. Good night. Buenos dias. Yeah. Hasta hasta la vista. Baby. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) Baby. Good night. Good night. All right. Good night, guys. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. All right, it's our post show. Our oh, post yeah. show. I need a. I need a post. Um, a post. Uh, 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 vice. I'm gonna be looking for one of those tomorrow too. Oh, I got one of those the other day. Did you really? Did you get a used one or yeah. a new one? Uh, used. They're one. expensive, uh, new, like six hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. One of my um, one of my good friends, uh, Matt. His he's the Mattster of none on Instagram. He came and. Uh, I helped him make a couple of knives and traded him a post vice. So, Ooh. Hey. yeah, I love it when we do that kind of stuff. I like to trade stuff for, uh, for stuff too. So that that's good when you can do yeah. that. Yeah. It looks like a pretty nice one. It's uh it's an old one, but, uh, yeah. Whenever I get into forging, I'll have, I'll have that guy. Heck yeah. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Cool, man. Mark, you're going to drive up to Batson's tomorrow. No. Yeah. I looked it up. It's like four hours. Is it that far? Yeah, it's a, you know I, I'm you can't get you know I'd be in Florida if I went any further further south. True, true. You're in Mobile, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Well, come on up. I'll be there. Yeah. Well, I, you know we'll have to see how we're going to drive up for Blade Show. I, I I don't know if I think it might be a little bit shorter if I just cut across, but I, we might try to. You know, we have some folks up in in uh, Montgomery and in Birmingham that that we know, so we, we shoot might, across eighty five. Yeah, we we might see if that's. I have to look. I have to see which way we're going to go. But I think yeah. we're going to drive up Friday, and, yeah. and then spend the night Friday night. And this way, we can. Uh, I can be there for that. Uh, you know, your 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 class on on Saturday morning, which is good. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, it's been a good time. It's been one of the ones that's actually sold out the last uh, two years. I've done it. That's so. good. Uh, sign up quick. Yeah, and well, uh, in fact, I, I tried to get on the site for the for today. Well, today at work on my phone, and, and it just kept kicking me off. So uh, on the Blade Show site, so I have to try on tonight and see if I can get on there. I know a lot of uh, work emails block the Blade Show because of the Blade. Uh, well, it's my personal cell on, on cell service. Okay. I, I just couldn't get on it. Hey Kyle, what okay. what is your t- table at Blade Show? Three double B. So, Mark, if you and I go over to three double B when he's not doing that talk, we can get some file guide uh, <laughs> personalized uh, training right there at three double B. <laughs> yeah. But, but is yeah, it just grab your be... name on it? Like, how do you know? Uh, like, when you go on the site, it, it, does it just show the different classes or something? I have to it go does. on it again. Yeah. Yeah, if you go to the Blade University, it'll Blade drop University, down, and right. then you can click uh, down there. Yeah, and it has the whole thing. I'm thinking about doing the um, was the kitchen knife class. Uh, was where is it? Uh, designing kitchen knives with Bob Kramer. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. Isn't Bob the guy that sells his knives for three hundred dollars and people turn around and sell them for ten thousand dollars? 
I believe it's three hundred dollars an inch. Is that what it is? Oh, but then, <laughs> but don't people turn around and sell his knives higher than he sells them for? And he, I, I think I remember yeah. something like that. I think it was Bob Kramer, but it's just amazing. Bob Lovett, yeah, he, he was one of him. Yeah, they used to do that to a bunch of the guys. But yeah, uh, Bob Kramer, it's really hard to get a custom knife from him because he's booked out so far. Right, right. Um, so last year when I went to Blade Show, it was actually my first trip there. And uh, and I really wanted to, you know, I joined ABS and uh, I wanted to get more involved in the community after being in for a couple of years. And I was just overwhelmed. Just the fact I go up and see my buddies at Ameribraid and my grinder folks and, you know, a couple people I was using their products. But I didn't know any of the makers other than the people at the Pops Supply booth. This year is going to be so cool because I'm writing down table numbers of people I just want to go see and shake their hand because of mm-hmm. uh, either the impact they've had on me or conversations online with them or this, that, and the other. So this year is going to be a totally unique, cool experience. My table is right next to Phoenix Abrasive, so oh, nice. three double A, and then uh, Bald Man Knife and Tool is four double A. He's going to be right behind Phoenix oh. Abrasive. So yeah, I'm going to go sit with the guy with the cooler down in the uh, pit. I got one of those. That's uh, you were the one I was talking about. <laughs> I heard he gives out yeah. free beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I think I actually made money in the the pit from that last year. Like. uh I was handing out free beers to promote the knife perspective and cage daily knives and stuff. Told them to come by my table. And yeah. um, then it, like part of the way through the night, people just started like putting $20 bills in my pocket for the beer that they drank. <laughs> and it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show up with some homemade liquor then. Yeah. And a, and a little, and one of those little garden sprayers. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, that's cool. And, and, and it's nice because I think you said it really opens up conversation, whether people want a Coke or a bottle of water or beer, whatever you're serving. It's just, you know, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I usually try to have the diet Pepsi, diet Mountain Dew and some bottles of water and stuff in there. So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I hope that if, uh, if, if, uh, um, Michael McHale, whatever, uh, Trollsky comes this year that, I don't clam up. He walked up to me last year and I just sat there kind of awestruck. He looked at me and I looked at him and I think he knew I wanted to meet him. If he didn't, it was just an awkward moment for both of us. And, uh, and then he walked away and I couldn't find him. And I was just like, that had never happened in my life, but here's this guy I'd watched hours, days of his videos. And, um, there he was. And this year I feel much more relaxed about being a knife maker. I kind of hope he walks up, just shake my hand this year. And I don't mean is that I'm better than him. That's not the point. It's just that, I feel part of that fraternity where last year I felt like a groupie. Um, and I look, I hope he's there this year. So I get the opportunity to say hello to him and just thank him for, as I'm sure many people have the impact he's had on their knife making. Do you listen to the Mark of the Maker podcast? Occasionally I do. Yes. Uh, so I was talking to Tom Crine and um, a guy came up and was like, Oh, I, I love your knives and stuff. Talking to Tom. Yeah. And he's like, I love this one and this one. And he's like going on. Todd's kind of look or, uh, Tom's kind of looking at him and I'm kind of looking at Tom and uh, he goes, you think I'm Michael Birch, don't you? <laughs> I, I just like, looked at him and then turned around and like darted off. <laughs> Cause uh, Michael and Tom kind, kind of look a little bit alike, yeah. but like, not not that at all, but it was pretty it was pretty funny you think i'm michael birch i forgot so. uh one of the top 10 tools can we throw in another uh honorable mention sure yeah, yeah what's that a uh um uh microscope hmm. 
Okay. I just bought my first Optivisor. Got it in the mail from McMaster Car today. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. So you give that a try. Can you see micro fractures with that? Well, maybe. <laughs> That's why I need yeah. my microscope. Micro fracture. I got my, I got my hardness tester over here. Oh. Oh. What is that? Oh, brand. It's uh, Wilton. Oh, Wilton. Uh, or Wilson. Um, I don't know what model it is. Do you have to periodically calibrate that or is it just, you know, like how does that work? Yeah. I've got some like plates or something. Yeah. I've got some calibrated plates that are down there. Um, so yeah, once you get your heat treated just right and you got it dialed in, you don't even have to use it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually don't, I've got a big, I got a big piece of my actual stainless steel that I used the 154 CM and, um, I went and had them surface grinded at the machine shop at the, uh, where I used to work and then used our like $60,000, hardness tester to certify it. Um, so I've got the actual steel, um, that it is. So speaking of steel and hardness testers and all that, it's going off on a little bit of a limb here. Friend of mine, uh, his brother ended up with a piece of, uh, three eighths or, or, um, quarter inch thick stainless steel and dropped it off at my house and sitting in my garage. It's a four foot long piece. That's about eight inches wide. I don't know what kind of stainless steel is or what it is. I I don't have anything to harden stainless the way you should. Um, should I hold on to that or should I scrap it or what should I do? Well, the biggest thing is you should check it with a magnet to see if you can even harden it. Because if it if a magnet won't stick to it, you can't harden yeah. it. Okay, so stainless steel that is that is used is still magnetic for knives. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, good. That's yeah. good enough. So it still has to have the phoretic uh, property to it. So like your 300 series stainless won't uh, hold a magnet, mm-hmm. but your uh, 400 series stainless will. Yeah. And like 18.8 is another... Uh, great a stainless that is magnetic i was going to get into doing some uh making some barbecue forks out of uh, railroad ties uh, i guess i possibly could just cut it up and make forks out of it or something because you don't really have to worry about the hardness so much i would think or you think it might i guess i could make a piece and see how soft it was you know when i've got it yeah got it there but I've been holding on to it, but I didn't think it necessarily could go to it for knife material, but I'll check it. You know, I mean, and there's a lot of other stuff you can use that for, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking that, uh, um, you know, like if you're making some brooches, uh, for, uh, for hidden tang knives, you could probably use that. And, uh, you could probably use it for, I mean, I I think there's probably a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, it's just, just four four inches wide by what? Uh, it's about eight inches wide, about four feet long, and a quarter inch thick. Oh, yeah. oh it's pretty thick. <laughs> I could make I could make uh, tables out of it for, uh, yeah. for guide tables. <laughs> if it if it's pretty flat, um, I don't know if you've seen how I glue up the the liners and stuff on my handles. Uh, uh-huh. That'd probably work out pretty good for mm-hmm. uh, gluing them up, clamps onto that. Be nice and flat. It's interesting you <laughs> say that. There you go. That's why this is so cool. Because what I do now, my old uh, two by forty two, I took a piece of stainless steel and made a, a longer table on it. And, uh, that's where I glue up my, uh, um, handles now when I'm putting, uh, other things on them. So I didn't think about that. I could just make a little glue, yeah. to, use to make a glue table. Cool. We'll yeah, see. You, could, yeah. you could use it to make a waterfall platen out of it. How about that? Yeah. Oh, Big, yeah. you know, good piece of quarter inch steel. I, I I've been use- looking at those. I, I think it'd be, you know, if you didn't have a disc sander, 
you right. know, it might be a good way to, to, to get something, you know, into the plunge lines and get it pretty flat. I don't know. Um, yeah, I saw a mirror breed just came out with a, yeah. like waterfall platen, right. small wheel. Attachment. Yeah, it looks right to you. Small yeah. wheel attachment. I thought about making, we've got people down in the park down here. I thought about making a LARPing sword out of it, but, um, I'm not sure how that would go. That'd be that'd be like on that. Uh, remember that TV show, Giant Swords or whatever? The guy at Nantucket <laughs> Island, yeah. Yeah. big giant swords or something. Like that. He hit me with his pool noodle. He hit me with his stainless steel axe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not hardened steel, so I don't know. What a, one of the great ones when he like he like buried it into a tree and he goes, "That's how we make a hernia." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, I am going to cruise on out of here. Y'all yeah. can keep talking if you like, but I've got a, a early date with a pickup truck and hopefully there's a little lady down there that weighs about 180 pounds uh, that wants to go for a ride with me for $400 tomorrow. Ooh. I think you should get that, get that 300 pound one. No, no, no. I hope it's a little, a little Swedish one or, uh, uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I don't know what I'll end up with. Uh, I just know that, uh, number one, I want it, uh, to have good rebound and I want it to be flat. I don't want to buy something that's just cool. Uh, I want something to be flat because Usable. like I said, somebody, was it you that said it earlier, Kyle, or it might've been Jared. Uh, you can't beat something flat if you don't have it on a flat surface. Yep. So I'll, I'll think I can give you some advice, man. Whatever you do, remember, just cry one time. Not twice. Oh yeah, that, that's why. <laughs> that's why. That's why I went to the bank and loaded up today. Ooh. And uh, and I do. Uh, I do have Jared and James down there. Mm-hmm. So if I need to, they'll, they'll lead you favors. right, man. They won't. Let yeah. You well, you right. they've actually been sending me photos today, um, but I do have to pull uh, Josh's uh, trailer back to town. And I told him, I said, if I need an extra hundred dollars here or there, I haven't given you a price for pulling that trailer. You better do it. You'll find your trailer somewhere out in the middle of uh, Alabama and have to go pick it up <laughs> and, f- and find it at that. So he's good as gold. I've never met a knife maker that wasn't good as gold. Have y'all ever met one that's not good as gold? No, not yet. Not yet. Brought to you by Podcast Productions. Oinky, oinky, oinky. Looking for a brand new or used firearm in or around Hartsville, Alabama? Head on down to Byford's Gun Shop and explore their latest offers and deals. On top of a great selection of high quality and affordable firearms to fit your needs, their staff will have you driving away with a smile. Byford's is a third generation business that has been serving customers since 1971. Started by Joe and his father Ernest, the business continues to prosper well into the 21st century with Jeff Byford's knowledge and leadership. With brands like Benelli, Clock, Six Hour, and many others, you won't go wrong. Also check out their large selection of AR-15s and hunting rifles and many calibers. Bifers carries ammunition, special installation service, knives, accessories, transfers, and customer service that's second to none. Stop in and see them at 510 Main Street West in Hartsell, Alabama, or like them on Facebook at Bifers Gun Shop. Their team can be reached at 256-778-3111. That's Byford's Gun Shop, where they go the extra mile to satisfy your shopping experience. Head on over today. They'll be waiting for you with friendly faces. Oleg Bashevik has been making stabilized wood and other supplies for knife makers for almost a decade. His stabilized wood products have been used by many of the best and most well-known knife makers in the world. 
this wood, when turned into knife parts, are stable to humidity, water, snow, oils, and other materials that would prematurely wear out a knife handle. He works out of his shop in Tula, Russia, and produces natural wood products that are as beautiful as Russia's famed Fabergé eggs. Knife makers around the world will tell you that his blocks should not be cut and placed on display. Oleg has distribution centers in Russia and in the United States. He's shipping right out of the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, so if you're looking for something in the States, you can have it in just a few days. I guarantee you'll be excited to get your package that comes wrapped beautifully, already polished, so that you can see the most beautiful grain and colors that he impregnates into each piece of wood. You can find Oleg not only on Facebook, but you can also find him at knife-wood.com. That's knife-wood.com on the internet. Go out and take a look at Oleg's products. I'm guaranteeing you, you'll be happy to put them on your next knife. And now back to the show. Thank you.